Hello, Northland family. <laughs> so good to see you. It's so good to be together. This past week I was reading a, an article by David Brooks in the New York Times, and he said, you know, it, we had to be set apart in order to come together. There's something about what's happened to in this, in this quarantine and the, the virtual connections that actually has made us appreciate one another more, and that's so true here. We're deeply grateful for the opportunity to connect. I want to thank our tech teams again. They are doing an amazing job. And those of you who joined us last weekend for Easter for the first time and you're back, a special welcome to you. Plug in. Go to our website. You can find out all the stuff that's happening. And the Easter groups are still going on. You can sign up. They're just getting started. There are other things to, to roll up your sleeves with. There's one item for those of you who are new. Uh, just You can put it on pause just for a moment. This is for those who call North and their home. Our Easter tithe, we're still promoting that, uh, giving above and beyond. If you're able to, just pray about that. We don't want to get too far behind. That's starting to happen. We've got our, a team that's doing an amazing job, but I want to encourage you financially as stewards to do that. Well, I'm excited. We're starting a new series. So let's acknowledge the person who's going to teach us. It's not me, the spirit who's here and with you. He's our teacher. So let's ask him to teach right now. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are risen indeed. And as a result of your historical, bodily, literal resurrection from the dead, we can trust everything else that you said, including the fact that you're our good shepherd. And so right now, so many of us are weighed down, maybe with financial or relational or job things or health fears. Would you come and be our good shepherd? Would you replenish us? Would you restore sanity to our souls? And use your word to teach us. And I ask this in the name of the one who is way and truth, but also life. Amen. So what are you hungry for right now? What are you thirsty for? What will replenish you? We're starting this series called Replenish, Sanity for Our Souls, because so many people are saying, I'm going bananas in this, this banal boredom of quarantine. And uh, you know, figuring out, okay, I'm thirsty. What are you thirsty for? What's going to replenish? You know, there are two ends of the spectrum. The banal boredom on this end and what we're hoping to get back to is the uh, frenzied futility. <laughs> you know, actually a lot of us are learning, yeah, that's not where I want to get back to either, but those are the two extremes. And we would think that what will replenish us uh, is different in both. It may be what replenishes us here is activity and what replenishes us here is the board. No, 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 no. What replenishes in both arenas is the same thing. What replenishes us is something that is exposed more though right here. 
Because when we're still, we start realizing what we're hungry for. In that article I mentioned by David Brooks, uh, he said it's similar to people starving. When they're starving, all they can think about is, is hunger. And when we're quarantined, all we can think about is getting out of quarantine and what will replenish us. So we're going to spend some time going through a very famous psalm and talking about what it means to replenish. And we're doing it in quarantine because this is where we can identify things more quickly. Pascal, a French mathematician and philosopher, wrote in his treatise, his classic, Pensee, he said, all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, that they cannot stay contentedly in their own house. And that was before any quarantine. But he's saying, until I learn contentedness and replenishment here, I'm not going to know it here. And often when we're in quarantine, when we're in our own house, things are exposed. So let's find out how to be replenished. If you've got a Bible, turn to Psalm 23. I'd encourage you to read out loud with me. It's one of the most famous Psalms in Scripture, if not the most famous Psalm. And this is what we're going to be going through in this series, verse by verse. It's powerful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Every phrase be great to do it in your own devotional life. Just emphasize every phrase and think through it. Let, let these words ricochet around. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's powerful. We're going to go back to the beginning. Before I look at that first verse again, I want to quote a hero of mine. His name's Augustine. He lived in the fifth century. He, he was a pretty frenetic, frenzied human being. And then he came to Christ and he wrote his story in a, a massive volume called Confessions. But in it, he says this, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. That's a companion statement to Pascal. Until we can rest in you, our heart's going to be restless no matter where it is. And when we're in quarantine, that's when we can really start grappling with, are we resting in you or not? But that statement by Augustine is basically a restatement of Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You want to know what God's like? David was said to have been a man after God's own heart. And a lot of theologians use pretty big words to describe God. David says, he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Now, it's not an overly comfortable word in the sense of being casual or irreverent or dismissive or treating him as a mascot. 
This word Lord, it's all caps, is Yahweh. It's the Hebrew word Y-H-W-H. It's what the scribes, when they were translating uh, the, the scriptures and scripting it and making copies, they would use a, a brand new quill and then throw it away after writing just those four letters because it was such a high and exalted name. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd, transcendent, which gives power to his eminence. So what's going to replenish me is understanding his bigness and his smallness. David is not, isn't the only one to talk about God as shepherd. Uh, Jacob does in Genesis, and you see it in Numbers, in 1 Chronicles, in 1 Kings. You see it in Ezekiel and, and, and Matthew and Jer or Ezekiel and Micah and Jeremiah. But Isaiah gives this similar, similar phrase. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, see the sovereign Lord, Yahweh comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm, transcendent. And he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart and gently leads those that have young. The Lord is my shepherd. That word my, go back to Psalm 23 verse 1 just for a moment. He's not a shepherd or the shepherd, he's my shepherd. For me to be replenished, I've got to be able to make that statement in multifaceted ways, not just in theory, but it's making a difference in my days. The Lord is my shepherd. Leith Anderson tells about as a pastor visiting a little boy with cancer, less than five years old, too, way too young. And he's trying to talk to the little boy about God as his companion. He said, he's got your hand, and this is how to hold on to him, five fingers. And then he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And the little boy just repeated, the Lord is my shepherd. And the little boy lost consciousness, and his parents told the pastor, he's holding on to his ring finger. Why is that? And the pastor said, because he knows the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus brings the same theme up in John 10. Last week, we talked about him being the gate, leading us to life that's full, not just heart beating, lung breathing, but the life of God. Go back to that same passage, John 10, but look at John 10 in the verse after, instead of the verse that's before. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. He's the one that makes us restless and robs us of our sanity. He says, but I've come that they may have life. Life in the busy routines, life in the quiet homes. Capital L, not lung breathing, heart beating only, but the fullness of life, have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. This is how I do this, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Lays down his life for the sheep. He loves you a lot. Died on a cross, not as a martyr, but to pay an infinite penalty that it would take you and me otherwise eternity to pay if we did it ourselves. And he says, the reason I did that is I want to shepherd you as a human being. Not, not mentor you in your religious life, but shepherd you in your humanity in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of calmness. 
in the midst of ball games, in the midst of parties, in the midst of vacations, in the midst of hospital rooms, in the midst of counselor's offices. I want to shepherd you. So to be replenished and gain some sanity for my soul, it starts, this journey starts with five words. The Lord is my shepherd. And then the implications come after that. I shall not be in want. So what does it mean to say the Lord is my shepherd? I've got to embrace a lot of realities, but I need to submit to him being my shepherd. So when I say he's my shepherd, that's immensely personal, but it's also a submissive word. It's, it's me saying I, I'm yielding to him as, 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 as potter and me as clay. He's the creator, I'm creature. So it means I'm gonna relate to, with him by uh, submitting in four arenas, really, or three arenas, three realities. Let me give them to you one at a time. If I'm gonna say, to say that he's my shepherd is to submit to the reality that he seeks me. Shepherds seek out their sheep. They go after them because we're prone to wander. We all like sheep, we've, we've gone astray because sheep are really good at that. A couple of years ago in Yorkshire, England, uh, the BBC featured an article about modern day shepherds. You know, shepherds use all sorts of tools uh, to tend to their sheep. You know, this is the ancient symbol and some will still use it, it has a crook to, to bring sheep back, it's, you, to chase after, not to beat them, but to bring them back, uh, keep them from getting in harm's way. With these shepherds in Yorkshire, England, a, uh, what you and I would refer to as a cattle guard. It was eight feet wide and it was wrought iron and the sheep couldn't, couldn't walk across it because their hooves would go in between. And so they were confined into a safe place, a place of, of flourishing, a place of thriving. And then uh, one black sheep, I don't think he was uh, truly uh, in that color black sheep, but he was pretty... Uh, pretty mischievous and he led the rest of them around. He, got, he laid down, figured it out. I think I'll just roll over. So he laid down, he rolled over this eight foot rod iron and the other guy's looking at him, you know, Frank looks over at Charlie and says, did you want to see what Sam just did? Let's try that. And they all did it. The entire flock escaped. They thought they were escaping into a wonderful place. They were actually leaving the safety of the pasture where the shepherd was providing for them. Some got hit by cars, some got attacked by animals, uh, some, some got lost, some fell over a cliff. We're prone to wander. You know what that's like, don't you? So do I. And we think, I've wandered too much. He doesn't want me. Oh no, I'm never unwanted. Never. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, Jesus is saying this. He says, and one of them wanders away. Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, <laughs> he is happier. He's happy to run after you and me. He's not ticked off and saying, can't, but he is happy to seek us out. Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And some of us say, you know what, I, but I ran away from him. Guess what? He kept up with you. And maybe this quarantine is the time to turn around and realize he's right here. He's my shepherd. 
He's continuing to seek me. Go back to John 10. We looked at it a minute ago, verse 11. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He'll do whatever he can to pursue you, to chase you and me down in his love, in his grace, by the provision of his death on the cross. And he will use whatever is at his disposal, even a quarantine, to get us close. George Herbert, a 17th century poet, in a poem called The Pulley, he says this, if goodness lead him not, this is God speaking, if goodness lead him not, Yet weariness may toss him to my breast. In other words, if when everything was fine, if that wasn't what would bring him close, I'm going to use the weariness, the vulnerability, the fright of COVID-19. I will use whatever I can. During this quarantine could be a reset for me to say, I've been sought after and I'm now gonna submit to his seeking because I'm gonna say the Lord is my shepherd. And as a result, I'm gonna embrace the reality that he seeks me, but secondly, I'm gonna embrace the reality that he sees me. He sees me. I see you. A little bit later in John 10, verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I know them. In the tall in South Africa tribe, their greeting is Sabona. Literally it means, that's, what they, that's how they say hello, but the literal meaning is, I see you. That is the great yearning that you and I have as human beings, to be seen, to be known. That's what's so debilitating, discouraging, uh, crippling, because uh, we don't think anybody sees us right now. The shepherd does. The movie uh, Avatar, several years ago, that land of Pandora, awakened longings in so many people saying, that's where I want to be because that was the language, that was the song, Leona Lewis's famous song from the soundtrack, I see you, we want to be seen. And right now, stashed away in a quarantine, we're thinking, I've got this stuff going on with my finances. I don't know that anybody knows fully. Uh, my job, I don't know that I'm gonna have a job when I get back. Uh, uh, maybe the relationship tensions in this home because they are being exposed. Uh, uh, maybe the, the health concerns. Does anybody know, does anybody see it? And he says, I see you. First Peter chapter two, verse 25. He says, for you are like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and a consequence of him being shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know what the, the, the uh, Greek word for overseer there is? Episcopon, transliterated. Episcopon, and if you take out the, the, the prefix, you've got the, 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 the core word right there, S-K-O-P, scop, scope, as in microscope, as in telescope, as in the one 
who scopes you out. He's the scope of my soul and yours. He knows me better than I know me. He says, I see you. I see you. I'm the, I'm the overseer. I'm the episcopon of your soul. I know most what you need. I know better what you need than you know what I need. And sometimes it's going to be stuff that's uncomfortable, but I'm going to get you home. I'm going to get you through this valley of the shadow. In Great Britain, they have, in, in modern shepherding, they do what's called dipping troughs a couple of times a year. It's an antiseptic, and it's to dip the sheep in to prevent disease and parasites. And it's for their good, but the sheep don't know it. And one at a time, the shepherds will take a sheep, they're minding their own business, having a good time, all of a sudden, the next thing they've been scooped up and they've been put in this liquid and the shepherd covers their mouth, their eyes, and they've gotta be completely immersed. Can you imagine what a sheep is feeling and thinking at that moment? There is no way that this is good for me. There is no way that any good can come out of this quarantine. And the great news of the gospel is that we have an episcopon of our souls who says nothing will be left on the editing room floor. I will use this, this brutal reminder that the world has fallen. I see you, and I'm seeking you. And thirdly, I want to satisfy you. To be able to say he's my shepherd is to submit to the reality that he seeks me and that he sees me, but that he satisfies me. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want it doesn't mean, when the, that word satisfy doesn't mean that he's going to give me everything that I desire and all of the fluff. There's some things that I want that would not be good for me, but he will give me everything that I need. He says, I know you, and I'm going to provide for you. And a lot of us are saying, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get through this. I don't know that I will have the resources emotionally, financially, physically. But there are those that are saying, choosing to say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. Some of us are reading a lot of Amazon Kindle books. And Amazon, uh, if you're thinking all of the books that you're reading and highlighting are, pr are private, guess again, Amazon keeps a record of all of the highlights, the underlying passages, how many people emphasize a particular passage. And it's interesting every year to see what's the, the most highlighted uh, passage in a book, the most highlighted verse. Several years ago, about four or five years ago, when Hunger Games was out, the most highlighted uh, quote on Amazon was a quote from Hung the Hunger Games, and this is what it said, because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. It's a haunting statement, but we all get it. And especially the age category, the segment demographic that is, was reading the Hunger Games, Sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. I don't know that I've, I'm equipped to deal with this. 
maybe not, but the moment that I say the Lord is my shepherd, it's a game changer. Because the one who seeks me and sees me is also the one who satisfies me, the one who comes along and meets my needs. He's the one who says, I'm enough. I've got this. What do you need? A couple of years ago, Amazon publicized the most often highlighted verse that year in the Bible. You know what it was? It wasn't from Psalm 23. It was from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Because, you know, as a worry... It doesn't add anything to tomorrow, Corey Ten Boom would say. All that worry does is it takes away from today. Don't be anxious about anything. But it's not just, hey, don't do it. Here's how. In every situation, by prayer and perdition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God will guard you. That peace of God will come, come around you. That shalom. Shalom is not an absence of difficulty. Shalom is a wholeness, an assurance of adequate resources. John 10.10, 10, that verse again, the thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy, to fragment me, to make me feel like, okay, there's all these gaps. He says, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, that there, you have it enough, that you would have adequate resources. I'm here, I'm the one who's coming alongside you and saying, I will satisfy every need that you've got. I'm your shepherd. That's what shepherds do. Psalm 63 verse one, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no other water but you. There is no other place where we are going to get replenished but at his well, with his enoughness, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. He is addressing something that cannot be addressed anywhere else. Mark Twain, years ago, he, he, he said this, he said, you don't know what it is you want, but it just fairly makes your heart ache. You want it so much. And could it be during the quarantine, COVID-19 of 2020, that I finally start submitting to what I actually need? To the one who seeks me and the one who sees me, but also to the one who satisfies me. and says, I've got this. Now, we can approach COVID-19 and this difficulty as a cynic, or we can approach it as a sheep and there'll be a big difference. Paul Miller talks about, he started this and I started touring around with it. Take Psalm 23 and cross out all the things that God is providing in this and what are you left with? My, I shall want. 
me, me, my soul, I'm consumed with me. I walk the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear evil the entire way through. I, I'm in the presence of my enemies and my head and my, my cup, I'm exposed and all the days of my life. So look at all of those together. This is what a, how a cynic approaches it, me, my, I shall want, me, me, my soul. I walk the valley of the shadow of death. I fear evil, I'm in the presence of my enemies. My head, my cup, I'm vulnerable all the days of my life. So a cynic, Paul Miller says, approaches that valley of the shadow of death very differently. A child approaches it with the shepherd and saying, I'm gonna trust that he's got me. The Lord is my shepherd. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, I, Arlene and I turned on YouTube to, we'd seen a, an advertisement for Andrea Bocelli, the great opera singer, icon really in Italy, was asked by the city of Milan to do a concert in the great Duomo, the cathedral in Milan. Just him and an organist. So this massive cathedral, and they, they broadcast it live. There were about 3, 000, 3 million people watching it when Arlene and I were, and I think over 36, 37 million have watched it since. But here he is, just him and the organist, and he saw, sang four songs. And one of the most powerful moments for me was, he's blind. He was born with a congenital uh, glaucoma, and then when he was 12 years old, he was hit with a soccer ball in the head, and he went totally blind. And so they... They put a, a, a raised marker in the aisle and he walked out of that great cathedral blind, feeling the way with his feet. He went through these massive doors at the end and then came out the other side and he followed this path, stopped in front of the microphone and then began to sing in front of an empty plaza. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. And it, it was an empty plaza, but an empty civilization in a lot of ways in terms of outside. They shifted to photos of Paris, Eiffel Tower, abandoned the subways, highways, the Arc de Triomphe, all, it looked like a science fiction movie. We've seen the photos. They shifted to London and live footage of, of, of London and uh, the, uh, the vacant streets and then New York City and Times Square and then shifted back. To Andrea singing, I once was lost, but now I've been found. I got a shepherd. In the midst of this, I have a shepherd, you have a shepherd. So what do we do to be replenished? Psalm 95 tells us, come. All of us who are sheep that have gone astray, Come bow down and worship. Let's kneel. Kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. What do I do in the midst of the, the, the banal boredom of a quarantine? As I steward it, I seize it, I submit as a sheep before my shepherd. And just say, Jesus... You know what I need? T.S. Eliot, the poet earlier last century in Four Quartets, he says, 
You are not here on this planet to verify, to instruct yourself, to inform curiosity. You're here to kneel. We're not quarantined in our homes just to verify ourselves, to instruct ourselves, to inform curiosity. We're doing a lot of curiosity things, a lot of instruction, that's all fine and good. But ultimately, we're here to kneel before the Lord, our maker, the episcopon of our souls, because we're the flock under his care. So let me pray for you right now. Jesus, you're the good shepherd. You know what my, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and human beings need right now. Would you be their shepherd? Would we all be able to say you're my shepherd? And we submit as your flock. Thank you for seeking us. Even with some of us who are fast, persistent runners, you keep up and you see us and you come to satisfy us with your life. So we're going to trust you one day at a time, just as sheep do their shepherd. In the name of the good shepherd, I ask this, amen. Guys, love you. May you experience him as your shepherd this week. Spend some time kneeling and submitting as a sheep and seeing what happens. Have a week filled with his life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.